You are listening to the postcast presented by the Locked On Senators podcast following a 2-1 loss on the road in Las Vegas. And to use an MMA reference because there was a heavyweight tilt at the same arena where we saw that one. Well, the the refs called this one, basically. Yes. 45 seconds left to call on Thomas Shabbat. We'll get into all that and more. I'm Ross Levitan. With me as always is Brandon Pillar. But as we start each and every postcast, and <laughs> to get the temperature of the fan base, Pillsy, the chat is already loaded. <laughs> they are calling for the heads of both referees in this one. But what was your overwhelming view, not only at the end, which of course we'll expand on, but throughout this entire game? I mean, at least it was a better effort up against the Vegas Golden Knights than it was up against the Arizona Coyotes. They didn't give up an eight spot here, so you got to be happy about that. But yeah, small congratulations. But still, the ref, like the refing is just garbage. Once we don't again. talk about it, though. Like, how is there no call on Brady Kachuk getting absolutely demolished by Nick Haig on that power play into the net? Like, and the ref's right there. Like, he, he does, no one has a better viewpoint of that than him right there. And and then, yeah, that's a weak, weak tripping call to call on Shabbat at the end of the game. So we called this before, and our boy at Liam's Martian, date night for the Martian after the game. We got to respect that. That's why he's not on it, but... He wanted us to pass on this little stat here that now the Ottawa Senators are 0-6 when Ian Walsh refs their games this year. And say what you want about Ian Walsh. At least he wasn't one of the guys in Florida. The the league literally looked at the play that Austin Watson got in the argument with the officiating. That was Kendrick Nicholson that night. What the hell is he doing refing the same team less than a week later? It makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, I'm not really sure how the refing schedule works, Ross. Like, I'm not sure if that's something that's like... We need so... flex scheduling. We need flex yeah, scheduling. flex ref scheduling. Get them out of there. Yeah, I'm not should've, sure. Should have sent them to name a city that you would rather not be in on a on a, on a a night, right? Like, you don't get put them in Vegas the night yeah. after. Send them to the Carolina game. I was going to say Winnipeg, but... No, that we don't say rude. that on this show. No. <laughs> Um, yeah, and uh, Ross, this whole game, I was kind of watching and I was like, I haven't noticed a whole lot of Jack Eichel. Like, he's a sense killer. Like, what's going on here? Yeah, Sonk, that's a mush right there because five seconds left. Of course, of course. Who's going to end it other than Jack Eichel? So let's take you through the play because this is a late Sunday night game. Maybe people are listening to this on their way to work. They're like, wow, the guys are mad. Wonder what happened. Even you can hear Alfie's just rattled in the other room. I can't blame him. The Sens played a great game. They held Vegas without a shot for nine minutes in the third period. Usually that stat is on the other side of the equation. So you put that in your back pocket. You're feeling good. They had a decent attempt on their own power play and that you can't argue the call. So Late in the game, and there were a couple plays earlier in the third period. There was one where I think the Sens probably could have gotten called for a trip in their own zone, and that might have been more embarrassing that far away from your own net, but they didn't play it. And I was like, okay, the refs, they're letting them play. That's fine. The shots, both teams have over 40 shots. Like, okay, let the guys decide it. So for a toe pick, so Michael Amadio, former Sens, Sens abroad, Michael Amadio, cup of coffee. He comes down the right wing and all of a sudden just falls. And on the replay, Pills, like, his stick does not touch Amadio's skate. Yeah, and that's the thing. And Mike Johnson mentioned on the podcast, like that's a, a play where in this type of game, you really shouldn't call that unless you're sure. Like you got to be sure as a ref that Shabbat 
is the main reason why Amadio falls there. And sure, Shabbat's stick is right in the mix there, but he's not the reason why Amadio falls. So that's a tough penalty to take. And you can tell right away Shabbat's just like, no, you you can't be serious right now. Like that cannot be happening. And yeah, to, and Vegas, like that's not a very good power play either. So for them to have everything fall into line, for them to be able to finish it like that and Jack Eichel to continue dominating the Sens is just classic. Now, not a great power play in the pre-Jack Eichel era, right? He's just fair. getting his feet yeah, wet. And that's his spot, right? And he's not one of those typical like one-timer guys. I feel like even when he has the opportunity, he'd rather stop it and try to pick his corner. And that's exactly what he did. And what a shame because Anton Forsberg, what a game from him. 40 saves on the night. And he deserved a better fate than what he got. And Ross, we've talked about this a couple times and they mentioned on the broadcast, once it hits 40 saves, like... Forsberg's in the zone. Like, that's what he wants. Give we talked about that on Friday's show. Exactly. So he was feeling it. He was ready. Like, I honestly think if this goes to OT, the Sens could have had a great shot at winning this game because Forsberg's shutting the door there. But when you get a power play that late and there's not much you can really do there. No, like, come on, man. And not to, not to harp on it too much, but... They let them play the entire game. There are only That's three penalties in the first 59 minutes and 14 seconds of the game. So for that to all of a sudden go out the window, and ironically, the first penalty of the game was Michael Amadio tripping on Thomas Shabbat. So oh, no. Rolls reverse, a little Freaky Friday situation there, and... <sighs> Is it too early in the season, Pilly, to say that that's a perfect tank loss? I mean, we can go with that if that's spin if zone. that's the positive positive you want to spin on that. Um, but yeah, like just sucked, man. Second half of a back to back up against the Vegas uh, Golden Knights on the road. This is a good effort from the team, and if you're DJ Smith, you got to be pretty happy with with most uh, everyone that played. And now, Ross, I don't want to be the guy to really hop on the Branstrom thing here. We know that's a that's a hot topic in Sense Twitter, but I'm looking at the Sense box score right now. Every single player had a shot on net except Eric Branstrom. And he, one he of tried. Eric Branstrom's shots that he tried led to the first goal. So that's a tough one if you're Branstrom. And you could tell from the ice time. Like look at the ice time. 1201 for Branstrom. Like you could tell that DJ was not exactly pleased with his night there. Yeah, I think coach is getting pretty fed up of it. And, and then people will clip the plays where he shows a little flash because he's a good skater. There's no question about it. He's a good skater and he makes a great first pass, but there's just something. There's just something missing because yeah, for what he's shown at other levels, I don't know what it is about the NHL, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't feel like getting into the Eric Branstrom debate right now because All right, well, Nikita, Nikita Zaitsev uh, looked terrible again tonight too. And that's the yeah. perfect – and that's the one comeback that I will appreciate when it comes to Branstrom discussion. When people are like, lay off Branstrom, look who else is on, on the job. And Nikita Zaitsev gets trotted out there again for 23 minutes, second most among ice time for all sends defensemen. And it's just like he's brutal. He can't defend at the NHL level. His pivots are awful. He gets beat to every loose puck. And even when he gets to pucks in his own zone, somehow every battle in the corner, the offensive team comes out with it. He's a complete liability. So when we're talking about Eric Branstrom, at least he brings something to the table. 22 is brutal. And 
we were kind of apologists for him, especially last year. I thought Zaitsev actually finished the year strong. He turned it around. He's yeah. brutal. He sucks. And he shouldn't even be out there. So until they can realize that, then they, they're not going to turn the corner on this rebuild. And it's disappointing. And I'm not trying to be a, an exaggerator where it's like, oh, the rebuild's completely off the rails now. They've lost, what, five games in a row, four on this current road trip. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying here. But they've clearly like he's not a filler. It's not like they just have him because oh they took back that contract to get rid of CC and they wanted Connor Brown. He was the sweetener. They legitimately think Nikita Zaitsev yep. is a good defenseman. And that worries me. Yeah, and that's the thing like a lot of people calling for trade, buyout, what have you. Sens aren't going to do that. And no. I think they've made it very clear at this point. So that's a tough one. But Ross, a couple people in the chat were uh, were talking about it earlier. And I've kind of, I don't know where I stand on this anymore, but what do the Sens do with Forsberg? Because now that Matt Murray <laughs> is yet again on the IR, Gus is not ready to take on uh, a 1B role, right? Like it, with the way Matt Murray is consistently with his health uh, struggles, Gustafson is not ready to take over like that. But Forsberg's at an all-time high in value here. and We've heard he this d- story before, though. Yeah, he, he's going to want a longer team term deal. He's not going to sell for anything less, if you ask me. So what do they do with him here? I I was fully on the, the side you have to trade him, but like that's going to be a rough couple seasons if it's a, a Murray-Gus tandem because who knows what you can get out of Murray, and then you're just putting all that weight onto Gustafson. And sure, you can go out and sign a veteran number three goalie, but that's a crapshoot, right? You're rolling the dice there. You could end up with a guy like Forsberg, who they picked up off waivers, or you can end up with someone that's that's not going to help you at all, and it's just going to slow down the rebuild yet again. Yeah, but if you sign him to an extension, you could either end up like a Craig Anderson situation, or you can end up with a Mike Condon situation. Yes, so- exactly. I mean, it's just so it's so unnerving because – and he took a good bump. Like, this is not me saying Matt Murray should tough it out. No, that was – and guess who it was who hit his own player? Nikita yes, Zaitsev. Yeah. Shocker. Shocker. Stay on your side of the border, Z. Now, with that being said, Matt Murray is about to miss more time. Yep. What do you do? He just got put on IR, so he's out the next seven days at least. And trade deadline is – Coming up here, like what what day is it today? The 6th? Yep, it's going to be two weeks tomorrow. So they got to make a decision here. If the Senators somehow shock the world and trade number 22 (laughs) in the next two weeks, I'm on board. I'm fully on board with whatever they want to do. Sign Dorian to an extension, do whatever. But until then, yeah, and Youngo just put in the chat. Great timing. Pressure's on. It really is. Dorian. Yeah, you got Nick Paul ha- hanging out. Forsberg, what's going on with him? Mm-hmm. I mean, a guy a guy like Sanford, that's probably something that can get done in, on the deadline. Who cares? Whatever. But there's a lot of big issues here that Dorian needs to solve, and the clock is ticking. It's ticking. Yes, it certainly is. Now, other people in the comments are saying, like, hey, bring up Lassie. Bring up JBD. Do you think that's a good move to give them a little more experience? They're about 10 games, I think, each at this point. I think Lassie's probably even closer to 15. But Belleville's also in a playoff run. So for me, I'm still trying to get rid of Zaitsev because I think the term on that is absolutely outrageous. Lou Lamorello doesn't take enough heat for handing out that contract after one season. Seven years, 
with a bunch of weird signing bonuses attached. Like, holy crap. That was an unbelievably brutal contract. But when you have him out, I want them to bring in like a one-year-left type of guy, create some flexibility, but keep Lassie and JBD down because they need they need to get experience. And even like JBD's been playing on the bottom pair, and I think he's going to be a slow and steady guy. Like he's going to, I think, maybe two, three yep. years in the minors. I don't think he's going to step in next year and play in the NHL. I think Lassie's definitely ahead of him, but I'm just shaking my head because like they, they finally played a good game. That third period was great. And how crazy is that? They held Vegas without a shot for nine minutes in the third period. They still gave up 40 shots in the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that is wild. That's for sure. But to answer your question, yeah, like – Belleville needs some positivity down there. Like, this franchise needs some positivity. Like, let's get a, fr- a franchise that can play in meaningful games once every five years. Like, I, I don't I don't want to bring Lassie and JBD up only because they don't I, don't... I don't think it benefits them that much to be around this team right now, whereas I think it benefits them a whole lot more to play top power play, play big minutes, play in crucial moments, Keep developing under Troy Mann. Build chemistry with the other prospects, uh, Jarventi, Sokolov, all those guys, and try to form something good so that when they do come up to the NHL, they've got they've got something to look back on and be proud of, and to use that as momentum into their NHL careers. I don't think what whatever happens with Zaitsev replacing them with JBD or Lassie, sure that's good to get NHL games under their belt, but I think it it's not great if Belleville misses the playoffs and then that's another year where Belleville could have had a great chance at making a run. And because of Ottawa's debacle, they're not allowed that. So we will get into Belleville's weekend on tomorrow's locked on senators. We'd appreciate if everyone subscribed or 1599, we got to get to that 1600 mark. So please subscribe on YouTube and download wherever you get your podcasts. And if you miss any of the postcasts, go back, listen to it in full, wherever you download your podcast or on YouTube. Ross, quick YouTube stat to add on to your little tagline there. Ooh. We are now over 100,000 views on YouTube. Whoa. So thank you to everyone that has watched, watching right now. 100,000 views on YouTube is pretty damn good. So I'm excited about that. That's awesome, man. Pilsy's getting into it from middle of Alberta too. So you guys want it and we're happy to go out of our way to provide it to you. Win, lose, or draw, and we're on a streak right now where the Senators have one win. <laughs> one win in their last eight games. So, I mean, I, I laugh because I prefer to crying. I mean, like, come on. <laughs> you, can, you can have, uh, you can laugh till you cry. That's that's appropriate it's, in this it's situation. It's insane, man. Like, what? the only win was against Minnesota. It was so good. I'm like, all it right. It was a one-goal win, too. It wasn't it like they dominated. Yeah, and now they've given up 40-plus shots for the third time in their last six games as well. One being the win against Minnesota. Then against Florida, they gave up 48. And then tonight against the Vegas Golden Knights, they're right back in it with 42 shots against. It was a 2-1 loss for the Ottawa Senators. Vegas opened the scoring. Jonathan Marsh so after a poor giveaway at the offensive blue line on an attempted shot. Uh, by Eric Branch from the play goes the other way. Marcheseau goes high glove, no chance for Anton Forsberg. But it was short-lived because just two minutes and 13? Yep. No, 
Okay, math guy, eight seconds later. Two minutes and eight seconds later, it was Brady Kachuk <laughs> on the power play. And I think he was shocked it went in. <laughs> well, because Leonard made the save and he froze it, but then Leonard goes to extra tighten his pads and Brady gives a little poke and that gives it enough oomph to get past him. Yeah, Brady's face is exactly that. He's like, what? Okay. <laughs> so Brady gets the goal. Colin White, his second assist. Yes, and Tim Stutzla gets an assist on that as well. So three points in the last two games for Tim Stutzla. And that was the score until six seconds left when Jack Eichel scores his third of the year. Pacioretty and Marcia, so on the assist. Yeah, it was a great passing play. Got to give him credit and take nothing away from Anton Forsberg's night on this one. And it's just a goal scorer's goal. And I hate to go back to it again, but it's reminiscent of the Tampa game. And we talked about the officiating right off the bat. We had to. It was egregious. It was a toe pick. Michael Amadio, that, that play, if it's not called a penalty, might get you on waivers the next day because you can't just trip over yourself and expect to be in the NHL for long. But instead, I thought Amadio had a good game, though. Yeah, he actually did look good. Sends a broad classic. We'll get to the Robin Leonard stats in a minute against oh. Ottawa as well. But yeah, Michael Amadio toe picks. Shabbat gets the penalty. And if it was a call on, like, let's say, Branstrom, not to pick on him, but like a young, inexperienced defenseman, okay, give him the benefit of the doubt. Sure, call the penalty with under a minute left. But Thomas Shabbat, like this guy, how many pims does he have all year? It can't be many. This guy's always staying out of the box. He got 22 penalty minutes the entire season. Leads, he, leads the league in ice time. Leads the league in ice time. Like, yeah. To call him on that is embarrassing, if nothing else. And, oh, whoa, the la- the only other game where Thomas Shabbat got a penalty in the last five. Oh, would you look at that, the Florida game, where oh, they had the man. same ref as they did tonight. So that, that being said, it's just a game where the, the other team's best player – the highest paid player, just like against Tampa, yep. wins the game. And they get out-talented in a sense. But I think the Sens outplayed them tonight. I thought they deserved better. But, hey, if they're going to lose, don't bother getting that OT point, right? Yeah, I mean, at, the, at that point, yeah. And, uh, Ross, I'm going to my uh, game face-off stats Whoa. here. This was not a great one for a couple guys. Nick Paul, 31%, 4 for 13. So you don't love to see that. But yet again, man, Dylan Gambrell in the faceoff dot. I know at every postcast I give him a quick shout out, but 8 for 12. You got to respect that. And then Colin, uh, uh, Josh Norris, sorry, 12 for 18. So Norris's shoulder, that's a really good sign to see him have success in the faceoff dot like that. And especially. I, I'm not sure. I got to double check, but he was probably going up against Jack Eichel a bunch of times there. So. That's that's great for Josh Norris to really feel like he's comfortable again. Friend of the show, Paul Bissonette, mentions that he's calling that penalty as a ref if he has a dinner reservation after the game. <laughs> well, yeah, he wants to hit the strip after. No doubt. Oh, I'm Damn. jealous you've been to a game there. I got to get there. It looks oh, like an electric to. atmosphere. That guy was so waffled. They showed at the start of the third period, rocking that old school send sweater. Did you see that? He's jump, yeah. uh, jump around was playing, and he was getting into it as well. It looked like a great atmosphere. But that being said, and shout out whoever the beauty is in here who hit the subscription. We've now hit 1,600, but we will not stop there. We're going to do a nice little giveaway here when we get to 2,000. And Stewie, if you're in the chat, buddy, we haven't forgotten about you for our 1,000th subscriber giveaway. We will be joining you at a Sens game on us, hopefully in April is is the plan there. So stay tuned for that, Stewie. And stay tuned, everyone, for Locked On Senators tomorrow wherever you get your podcast. By the end of the week, I'm going to be broadcasting for the Belleville Sens. So stay tuned for some insider 
info for coming up when Belleville joins the Manitoba Moose for two next weekend in Winnipeg. So that all aside, the administrative stuff that is, Ottawa loses 2-1 tonight to Vegas. Who is your Send Central standout? My Central Send Central standout is going to be Anton Forsberg. Like, yet another great game for him. Over 40 saves. Neither of those goals really his fault. Like, Marsha Show, I don't care. You could put any goalie in the league in that spot, and that shot's beating them. That's one hell of a shot. You got to tip your cap to him. And then Jack Eichel, he's going to do that to the Sens with five seconds left. And Forsberg, it looked like he he was in position, but that's just a nice shot by Jack Eichel, and that beats him. So I, it sucks that Matt Murray's out, but at least we get to see more Forsberg uh, performances before if he is traded because – that guy is so smooth. Like his, uh, I find his skating and his uh, slides, Ross, on his butterfly are so smooth. His rebound control, if there is a rebound, it's not like it bounces out right into the high slot and it's juicy. It's somewhere where a defenseman can contain it and get it into the corner or something. So I really liked Forsberg game here, and it, it sucks that he, he didn't get the win here because that would put him in the league, league lead in the NHL for goalies with 40-plus save wins. Yes, uh, so close, but so far with six seconds left. Yeah. I'm having a little bit of trouble here. Picking yeah, there's not much left for you. <laughs> just a guy. Like, obviously, Connor Brown, again, he deserves a bit of a shout-out. A light night for him. Only 18 minutes and 32 seconds. Usually he's well up over 20, but he still just creates everything. And sometimes you want to smash the the computer or wherever you're watching the game, the TV, because he'll he'll make this unbelievable play and then all of a sudden, like, turn it over. Or he was looking for Formanton. He got Formanton on one drive to the net. That was a beautiful feed, but... He's just no finish right now for, for Connor Brown. And although he is creating chances and you can't hate on that, especially when he does it as often as he does shorthanded. But I'll go with Tim Stutzla. Five shots, four okay. hits for the kid. Played over 16 minutes. Had another assist. Was always noticeable, I found. And then Parker Kelly is just making himself noticeable every time he's out there too. Another seven hits for him. He's had seven or more hits in three games in the last six. So this guy, he goes out there, he knows his job. He I had this great standout play to separate the body from puck on a on a zone entry for for Vegas tonight. So I like that one as well. So you had um, a big hit on Petrangelo too. I don't yes. maybe that's the same one you're referencing, it but is. that was a nice exactly. play. And Petra after did like that look like who the hell is that guy? Like who what? That Park- that's the Muzzin special. Muzzin did that to him last year. Exactly. Yeah. And Parker Kelly. He doesn't give a crap who you are. He's running through you because he knows DJ Smith is going to love that. And that's how you earn a one-way deal. Let me tell yeah. you, you play that style of hockey. and you Because, look, fourth-line grinders, say what you want about them, but I bet you those guys have some of the most respect in the locker room because they do the things that the other guys don't want to do, and they do it at a bargain of a price. Like, they're sacrificing their body. They're putting themselves on the line. And Parker Kelly does it game in, game out. Like, it seems like Ross, he's averaging like five hits a game. Like this guy is uh, absolutely electric out there. It's unbelievable. Do you hope to see him play the rest of the year with Ottawa? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What, I, uh, I think he, he's the perfect guy for that fourth line. Like I, I don't see anyone coming in and playing a better role there. So, and I feel like he's deserved it, right? Like we talk about, yeah, we want Belleville to go on a run, but if you're a guy like Parker Kelly, he's put the time in, he's, He's gone up and down a bunch, and now he's a mainstay there, and I think he's deserved it. The reason why I kind of paused there is I wanted to pull this stat up because people just need to see the numbers to believe it. Robin Leonard in his career versus the Ottawa Senators, 
10-0-3 with a 9.50 save percentage. Five goals against on every 100 shots he's faced against Ottawa. And he's faced over 450 shots. That's incredible. <laughs> My That's God. That's ridiculous. And that, I mean, I don't think Sens fans who have seen him play from 2010, ever since he was really drafted in 2009, until 2015 after he departed at the trade that sent the draft pick back for Colin White uh, and David Leguan. No disrespect, Sens legend. But sure. that's just his personality. You know he takes these games a little extra personally. because, And he said it. like He was a mess in Ottawa. He's dealt a lot off ice. Love how yep. he's turned his life around and become an advocate for mental health. But when it comes down to the gamesmanship and the competitiveness that he has, remember Leonard Eyes, the glare that he would always give? Like, Terrifying. This, this guy gets as locked in as anybody, and he was always one of my favorite goalies too. So uh, to see him having success, I got to still give it my appreciation, just like I liked watching Ben Bishop have success, not always against Ottawa, but those two guys were complete studs. And Ross, Robin Leonard is your type of guy. Like I can see in the Vegas locker room, Ottawa comes to town, and they're trying Money to decide on the board. Who's, what goalie do we play? Yeah, right, Laurent Boisson, trying to get in there <laughs> up against Ottawa at home. Leonard will literally fight you for that. So, and that's what, that's like, Matt Murray's not that guy. So you're not going to see that. And there's a lot, a lot of other guy, things. Yeah, there's a lot of other things going on there. So that's not going to happen like that. But Leonard, definitely, that's his style and that's his attitude. And I, I loved watching him get angry because goalies are they're mental cases, especially yeah. at the professional level. So I, I want to see it get crazy sometimes. So I, I'm a big Robin Leonard fan as well. I miss back in the day when he was with Ottawa at the CTC that he'd make a big save and they'd play the Jackson 5. Rock and Robin, tweet, nice. tweet. Yeah. Oh, it was awesome to have that uh, awesome. flying flying down there back in the day. I guess it would have been Scotiabank Place at the time. Um, the Senders finished their road trip. Speaking of that, um, to, on Tuesday in St. Louis and – Talk about a revenge game for the team after they got dummied by the Blues on home ice just a yeah. couple weeks ago. Maybe Zach Sanford revenge game again. Well, speaking of Sanford, man, that was close. That glove hand save yes, by Leonard. Huge. And you, That's the best save of the night. Yeah, definitely. And you know it's a good save when the player looks up to the heavens yes. after. Because he, he already put that one in his stat book, Sanford did, right? But then Leonard says, yeah, right. Credit to Nick Holden. For earning a video tribute. He spent three yep. seasons with Vegas. On that note, if you had told me Evgeny Dadnov didn't play tonight, I would have believed you. Yeah, no goals in 16 games. I mean, I, I'm an Evgeny Dadnov guy, but... He had the invisibility cloak on tonight. It's looking better and better and better, this Holden and a third-round pick as we go on here. Like, And... and Ross, I don't know about you, but when that trade happened, were you surprised that Vegas was the team that did that? Like, Vegas has yeah. wingers. Wingers was never the issue. They had so many goal-scoring, sniping wingers at the time. Why did they go? And the best part was, they in that trade, Nick Holden was like, yeah, no, Brandy video trade, that's bad. If he was in Chicago, the Chicago Wolves might have given him one. But um, at the time, Holden was like, yeah, I know I got traded. It was a cap issue. You just took on five mil worth of cap bringing in Dadnov. Like, yeah, yeah, they ended up paying more, and Dadnov had a backloaded contract. I think he's making six and a half this year. I think it was five and a half, six, yeah. six and a half, if I'm not mistaken. Who cares? Never have to worry and about Vegas him anymore. Really lose trades either, so that was a weird. But one. thank you 
to Evgeny Dadnov, it was 5-1. Worth the Thank entire time in Ottawa. Thank you for your service, sir. All right, Pilsy, final thoughts on tonight's 2-1 loss for the Ottawa Senators to the Vegas Golden Knights and the refs. We don't talk about them, but and the refs. <laughs> Disappointing for sure, but, you know, I'll, I'll take a game like this over, you know, th- that Arizona game was exciting, sure, and they, they were able to score five goals and there was a lot of positives, but this was a much more cleaner game for the Sens. Like you said, they were able to hold the Vegas Golden Knights without a shot for over nine minutes. There wasn't really any point where I was like, wow, Vegas is taking over this game now. Like, it seemed like the Sens are right in there. They just run into the two Sens killers in Jack Eichel and Robin Leonard. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. The Ottawa Senators can't beat Robin Leonard. They can't beat their old goalies. What it comes down to, but I will say you got to give credit where it's due for a team that yep. they, they hung in there. They, they were the team on the ropes here in the third period and they hang on, they hung on and then they end up, uh, they end up getting the win here. And I saw some of the comments. Yeah. Robin Leonard's listed at 250 pounds. Like that guy is a complete unit That's and he was boy. solid tonight, man. He made uh, what was it? 38 saves for him. I think Ottawa had, or sorry, 39, because Ottawa had 40 shots on goals. 39 saves there. Just some final notes here from the box score. Thomas Shabbat, the team leader in ice time. He played 26 minutes and 17 seconds. Four block shots, two hits, three shots, and yeah, two penalty minutes that were definitely undeserved. Uh, Earlier on in the game, Zub took a penalty where a bit of a phantom too. You saw he was pretty disappointed. As for forwards, numbers that jump off the screen, Austin Watson with eight hits tonight for Ottawa. Tim Stutzla led the team with five shots on goal. And who played the least? Parker Kelly with 11 minutes, but all sent forwards. Yeah, like like you said, not a lot of ice time for Connor Brown, but he still led all forwards with eight eighteen thirty two. So balanced lineup, balanced. Uh, he's moving the lines around, and and that's what you get when you're in a tight game that you're playing well in. Like it's not and like where there's they're not chasing or anything, and where there's not many penalties. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That helps out too for sure. All right, we got more to break down on this game. Tomorrow on the Locked On Senators podcast. So we'll get that to you as early as we can tomorrow. But for tonight, we say goodbye. Thanks for joining us for the postcast following a disappointing 2-1 loss for the Ottawa Senators to the Vegas Golden Knights. Please, if you haven't already, mix in a subscription to the show, leave a comment, review, and we'll chat tomorrow. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the postcast presented by the Locked On Senators podcast.